0: Grace, mercy, and peace you, God, our Father, from our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading of the Gospel of Luke. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Almighty Father, we give you thanks that you have granted us, your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to identify with us in the waters of Holy baptism, so we might be identified with him before you. For this day, O oh Lord, that as we hear your promises and your word, you would teach us to trust and grant us your Holy Spirit. so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have you noticed how often uh, expectations don't match up with reality? I was thinking about this as we go into the new year, so often we go into a new year with a great deal of, of optimism thinking that we are going to head into the new year and everything's going to be different. We have some sort of great expectations. We used to anyways. In uh, 2020 we probably had particular expectations of how that year was going to go and then reality hit. And then maybe we went into 2021 thinking things were going to be a little bit different there and then once again reality hit. And so now we enter 2022 with no expectations whatsoever. We have no idea of what is coming. And honestly, we might end up getting a little you know, I mean, you think about this, people set resolutions every year. Uh, they decide, oh, I'm going to uh, diet this year, or I'm going to exercise more this year, or maybe I'm going to learn something new, like I'll learn a foreign language uh, this year. And then they set out to do it, and then January 4th, it all kind of goes away. I remember uh, earlier in December, I said to my son Mark, I said, you know, I think I'm going to try and learn Hebrew this year. I've lost my Hebrew from seminary. I really need to get back into it. I think I'm going to try and relearn Hebrew. And he goes, Didn't you do that last year? <laughs> I I've had this conversation with him many times. <laughs> One thing about this uh, reality not matching my expectation. Two weeks ago, we decided uh, we were going to go to Colorado for our Christmas vacation. And we decided that we were going to leave right after church on Sunday morning. And so we had uh, a hotel set up for us in Cedar City. Top, which is about a 6-7 hour drive from here. So we planned to get in on 8 o'clock with a nice night of rest and leave really early the next day and drive on into Denver. Well, turns out we weren't the only ones heading that way, but also all of Southern California uh, was going that way. And 9 hours later when we finally got to Vegas, we realized we were not getting to Cedar City until 1 in the morning see reality. did not match our expectations. did not match our reality. And, of course, this can quickly make us very pessimistic, but I would suggest to you that sometimes our expectations and our reality don't match up, and it's actually the better. It's actually a good thing today about our reading from the Gospel in, in Luke. There are a great number of people who had high expectations for the coming of the Messiah. They expected him to come in a particular way, but the reality of his arrival was very different. Now, it was better, it may not have been what they wanted, but it was actually what they needed. So everybody's in expectation for the coming of this Messiah. This is what Luke look like. The people were all in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts whether John has John baptized, or whether he might be the Christ. See, the people in Jesus' day were in great expectation. The Jews knew that they needed living under the tyranny of Caesar in Rome, and they knew they needed to be rescued from these tyrannical occupiers. What's more, many of them probably believed that the reason they were being occupied by Rome was because they were being punished in some capacity for their sins. And so they needed somebody to come and to forgive them for their sins, more to the point, teach them how to live the right way, and then God would bless them, and then God would send the Savior, and then God would drive out Rome. They were expecting this. They were expecting someone like Moses. Moses had actually got their expectations pretty high. Moses, as we all remember, his job from God was to help release Israel of the tyranny of Egypt to bring them through the waters into the Promised Land. And so Moses did this, and he taught the people how to live. And he was sort of a great, uh, sort of savior figure in the Old Testament. He taught them how to. Eat. He brought them out of tyranny, and he taught them how to live. This is what they want. They were expecting, Moses promised them, by the way, that one greater than him would arrive. They were waiting as greater than Moses figure to come and free them from Rome. So that when John the baptizer comes on the scene, they hear him preaching, and they think this could be the one, because he is a mighty preacher of a rock. And he comes preaching the word in such a way that all kinds of people are coming out to be baptized by him and to hear his message. If you read the section just before this, you find people from all walks of life coming to John asking them, uh, asking them what they must do to be saved. And he gives them what they call a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of their sins. And he teaches them how to live an awful lot like Moses. And so they think this could be the guy. This could be the one whom God has sent to be our Savior. But John says to them, No. Your expectations are too small. You like what well, I You ain't seen nothing yet in this place. I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his crushing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. Oh, you should expect this guy to come, John said, and to bring judgment and purification. He said, he's going to take you and all your sin, and he's going to purify you through the fires of judgment, and it is going to be awesome and terrifying and glorious. John was promising a purification from sins through judgment. After all, all that was keeping the people of God for His holiness and favor, was going to be burned off and thrown into the fire. And John preached this sort of thing to everybody, just as you would expect a prophet to do. He even preached it, we read about today in the text, to Her- Herod. Herod, was sort of the, the pseudo-king of the time uh, there in Jerusalem. And he would go to Herod, and he would say, man, you are living in sin, living outside of marriage with this woman, who also happens to be your brother's wife, that sort of, out of bounds, uh, and so he would preach at Herod this way. And of course, Herod did not like this, though he sometimes read about it, was very interested in John. He still took John and threw him in prison. And this is not unexpected at all. You preach the word of God with the powers that be, and you can expect persecution. You can expect to be thrown into prison. Everything is going according to expectations at that point. And now all the people are doing is waiting. Waiting for this Messiah who's going to come and put down the kings and free the prophets and overwhelm Rome and teach people how to live this life that's going to keep them in their homes. This is what they are expecting, and expectations are high. Purifying fire, judgment, and punishment of the enemy. Sinners being put in their place. That is what is expected in the power, the mighty and glorious. You know, a the law with ourselves today, that's kind of what we want from Jesus, too. That's what we expect Jesus to do as well. We want Jesus to come along and to deal with our enemies and purify them and teach us how to, you know, just improve our lives and be just a little bit better than we are today. This is what we want from Jesus. To get rid of our enemies, those who disagree with us, those who teach all these evil teachings that are ruining our world, those who vote differently from us. Let's have him come and get rid of them, put them in their place. That we can be free and he can finally teach us how to live a better life. We want him to come and purify us. what we expect him to do. To come and he might say, justify us in our position, with all the other sins in their place. Well, expectations don't always match reality. See, Jesus does come, do and he does come to justify us, but not in the way that you would expect. In fact, the way that this promised Savior comes, the reality doesn't match the expectation. Because when Jesus, this great and mighty Savior, arrives, He comes not to put sinners in their place, not to stand above them and judge them and condemn them, but rather Jesus comes, and what's so shocking here, is that He comes not to put sinners in their place, but to put Himself in the place of sinners. Jesus comes... Put himself in the waters of repentance. In fact, Luke reports to this now, this way. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Moses he led the people through the waters. I'm talking about a living. Jesus comes to identify with the peoples in the waters and to live on their behalf. John promised one who would purify sinners, and Jesus most certainly comes to do this, but not with fire and the wrath, but by identifying them with himself. Here we find one who we expect to come and draw all people to repentance. In the waters of repentance. Here he's not judging sinners and purifying them no with judgment, rather he is in the water, in their bath of repentance, being treated like one of them. Identifying with sinners. Or you even go so far as to say it this way Jesus shows up and takes the identity of a sinner upon himself. You kind of should have expected that. After all, the prophet Isaiah, he was not. With the transgressors. John expected Jesus to purify sinners with judgment. The reality is that Jesus purifies sinners by being judged for them, by being judged as one. But he himself was without sin, he knew no sin, he came sin for us, for you. You who want Jesus Drive out your enemies and attack your opponents and get them to vote like you and act like you. Jesus instead identifies himself with them, takes their sins upon himself, and is judged so that they might be forgiven. And that's the thing that kind of surprises us because we don't always expect Jesus to come and to forgive the people in our lives we simply don't think deserves it. But this is what you must understand Jesus comes only for people who don't deserve it. Those people that you don't think deserve him, and also, you know, you, you and I don't deserve it. And yet he has come to identify with you and become your sin so that you might become his righteousness. See, Jesus stands in your place in the waters of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Not so that he would repent of his own sins, he had no sins, but so that he would repent of your sins. And then he does is to show the sort of thing he's going to do to be our savior by dying on the cross. So there on the cross he might die not for his sins but for your sins, and there the fire and the judgment and the wrath of God does come. Jesus stands as the sinner in baptism to repent of your sins and to die on the cross for your sins. You stand in your baptism as a child of God. And now the Father looks upon you and says, You are my son, you are my daughter, of whom I am loved. All of this he has done for you so that when he baptized you, you would receive his grace and salvation and be justified, not because of your goodness or your righteousness or your What you expect from Jesus and what you want Jesus to come to do for you. This is all sort of the point. But the reality is this, it's much better than your expectations and desires. The reality is that Jesus has come to stand in your place, to die for your sins, so that you would receive his life. He comes to purify you by taking the judgment deserve and your enemies deserve and he has purified all of us by the shedding of his blood by the shedding of his blood, not yours your sins were purged on his cross not yours so that whatever you expect from Jesus the reality is that he has come so that you would know and you would receive the promise today that you stand forgiven you are here. the reality is that you are pure because Jesus defied all expectations You have sent Your Son, Jesus, to be our Savior, Lord, that He dies a sinner on our behalf that we might stand before You as righteous and bold. Help us, O Lord, to trust the promises of our family, He was us always faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. amen.